All right, Alex, we're live. Amid COVID-19, beyond the grumbles of political turmoil of the election 2020, in the heart of Hampton Roads, we join you now as a voice of clarity and hope, as a light in the distance, we are Opportunity. What is up, party people? Guys, sorry for the delay. Uh, some technical difficulties in this virtual world. We're trying to figure things out. Sean is uh, coming to us in a car, and that's difficult, you know, for, for any Wi-Fi to make it, you know, while driving along the interstate. And if you guys have never joined us before, opportunity investors, this is year three, guys. Year three, can you believe it? I, I honestly can't believe it, it's crazy. We'll get back to that. If you've never been here before, Opportunity Investor is about real estate investing. Um, it's about uh, financing options. It's about implementation of those here in Hampton Roads. We bring in industry professionals and experts to give us some information and guide us. And uh, then we discuss those ideas, those conversations over more conversations that involve beer, generally. Then, in a perfect world, we would network, usually at a brewery. Now we network over our computer screens. And um, and we still have included beer, the hot part of opportunity. And uh, guys, in real estate, networking is a huge part of your success. So uh, we want to make that a huge part of opportunity. But guys, that's what it's about. I'm Alex Winfield. Um, I'm a real estate agent and one of the co- what are we, Sean? What, what What's our titles? Co-people that do this opportunity page. Um, I'm a real estate agent, retail investments. Uh, Dan McDuff uh, right there is uh, on my team. Um, he's awesome, military, uh, rocking the house hacking, really helped guiding a lot of guys right now. And uh, Sean Bowen over here. He is in the uh, the wholesale game as well as many other things. We've got a lot of people around us that really help keep these things going, keep opportunity going, keep our businesses going. My side, I've got Vanessa, my assistant, who is does a little bit of everything. Sean's got Ashley, who is kicking butt, and she's actually here somewhere. She just kind of hides out. Um, but they're the ones that keep this thing rolling and and keep it live and keep guys like Jay from you know, having to deal with, you know, bad technical difficulties. Um, so thank you to our team. Uh, guys, thanks for coming out. Like I said, this is three years. So Sean and I started three years ago at Commonwealth Brewery. Sean was the first speaker. I put together this group of um, really just the idea of, hey, let's go talk some, you know, real estate shop and, and let's bring some people together. And Sean was our, our first speaker talking on, um, what are you talking on, flips or? Uh, wholesaling and flipping real Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so he came in, he crushed it. We had a great turnout and, and we kind of just kept it going. And one of the things that we do here at Opportunities, we try to, we try to make it a pretty real experience um, 
we're not really selling anything. We're not really, you know, having any cream puff information. We're, we're trying to make it as real as possible so that you guys can take from it what you will. Um, and, you know, that's what it's been about the whole time. We're trying to keep it that way. That's why we have guys like Jay who, you know, come on here and, and tell us what's happening out in the world, in, in the real world. Not just, you know, a lot of times you get, you get these um, real estate investors come on and tell all these, you know, guru stuff. That's not what we're about. So we're going to try to bring in guys that are understanding our market and making things happen and uh, allow us to better position ourselves in that market. So before I keep babbling on and waste too much time, Sean, you want to try to try to use your little hot pot signal and join us for a little bit? Yeah, if you guys can hear, sorry about the connection if it's bad. Um, thank you so much for everybody joining us. Like Alex said, this is three years. How am I sounding? Am I good? Am I choppy? You're good. Keep it rolling. Good. <laughs> well, you were good. Thank you. There you are. <laughs> yeah, I just right. want to say thank you for being uh, If I, it's a bad signal, uh, we're out of town and uh, didn't have a good signal. So um, thank you for everybody being here uh, so much for coming in. This is probably, I want to be on here because this is my favorite time of the year when we have Jay come in and talk to us and get like nerd out on these numbers. Like I'm right there with you, man. Love them. Um, so guys, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, we're always here to talk about uh, specifically wholesaling uh, and then other people that want to do fix and flips. So we've got some money of our own. We want to put it to work. And uh, we'd love to talk to some guys about doing that as well. So, yeah, I'm just glad to be here. Hopefully I can keep the signal tight with you guys. Enjoy a beer and let Jay have at it. Yeah, man. All right. One quick thing before we go um, and, and jump in. Uh, Dan and I are going to be doing a house hacking seminar November 10th, 8 o'clock. It's the uh, second Tuesday of the month. Uh, house hacking, house hopping trying to build your portfolio of kind of average Joe style. So if you guys are interested in that, hit us up on our opportunity page. Um, in general, guys, we really want to get some feedback on our Facebook page. We want to get the communication going always. We're always trying to push that. So please keep doing that. Go to the opportunity Facebook page. Give us some questions. Y'all are going to have questions for Jay tonight. Please bring them. We got people checking that out right now. So you can hop on there. You can you can bring your questions. We'll bring them in today and you can kind of try to answer it. Um, it'll be a fun test to see if, if we can actually pull that off. But <laughs> um, you know, before we get started, we kind of have a thing we do. And did anybody bring a beer to tonight? Sean, do you have a beer in your car? I don't know if that's <laughs> I will say he was in his hotel room before he got in his car. So if he has a beer, it's not like he's driving. Hopefully. All right, guys, let's raise our glasses for a quick test. May your castle be secure and your cup overflowing. Cheers. Cheers. <laughs> All right. So guys, today we have Mr. or Professor or Doctor. I don't know. What do you go by? Jay Walker. Yeah, uh, I'm an assistant professor of economics. You could say doctor or Jay. Doctor. No, a doctor sounds super official, man. <laughs> so we have Dr. Jay Walker over here, and um, he 
he is part of the team that they put together the state of the region address and uh, at Old Dominion University, it's, it's a huge asset to our area, honestly. And uh, he's gonna kind of dive into that a little bit, take a, a little bit of an angle on real estate, able to answer some questions if you guys have them. Um, but guys, Sean and I get excited about this every year. This is something that we bring them in for us on a selfish level, as much as we bring it in for the rest of the community. If you're into business, you're into real estate, Really, if you're if you're in Hampton Roads, this is something worth paying attention to. So, without any further ado, Jay, thank you so much for joining us, and uh, feel free to feel free to take the reins, man. All right, all right. Um, hello, everyone. Thanks, thanks for attending virtually. Um, I don't know if it's got quite the same pizzazz as the brewery, but uh, we'll see what we can do. Uh, I'll admit that Alex, I'm not sure how many times I hear the university referred to as the, as the real world. So that was a little different. <laughs> uh, what Sean said when he said the nerd, I, I can, I, I, I can. Um, you can grab that. You can grab okay. Uh, so I'm a part of the uh, Draga Center for Economic Analysis and Policy um, at Old Dominion University here in Newport. And each year we put out the State of the Region report. Um, and as a part of that, we generate a lot of economic statistics about the local economy and sort of the national economy. And so this evening, my plan is to uh, discuss some of the most pertinent ones, hopefully to you all. Um, there's a, a, at least a section about COVID and some other things. And so hopefully this will perhaps be more of a, a conversation, perhaps. So feel free to ask questions or you know make comments as we go along. And I think that I should be able to see them. Uh, and so uh, I've got a few slides. I'll just talk through those and we'll see where the conversation takes us. Um, and I have a national bohemian. Uh, <laughs> nice, nice, nice. Hey, you're too early. We do that at the end of the show. Oh, like, sorry, man. Sorry, I forgot from last year. <laughs> I got asked back. This is my second year now. That's so. good. So apparently I didn't do anything too bad last year. So. Nah, man. We're glad to have you back. Yeah. And so... Um, Ashley, do you have my slides or is there a way that I can feed them? Um, do you want to just pull them up on yours? I'm not sure where Ashley jumped off to. She's probably still trying to save Sean in his car. Mm -hmm. Are you able to hit the share button there? Well, it's, it's currently shared. So now I'll share screen again, perhaps. Ah, there we are. Cheers. I needed to reshare it. Apparently. There we go. Thank you. Praise yeah. the Lord. Um, today, right. there's some basic things. Uh, before I get going, uh, I need to say some uh, over here, some legalese sort of things where uh, these numbers and forecasts are not officially the viewpoints of ODU, uh, its president, John Broderick, the Board of Visitors, or the Strong College of Business, uh, the normal sorts of things. Um, if you make lots of money from anything in it, please thank me. I don't think I can take any money. If you lose money, please certainly don't come looking for me. You can't take any money? I'm pretty positive as a state employee that is a bad <sighs> or a Commonwealth employee. Uh, <laughs> but You're the man. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> um, so at least initially, I'll talk about some of the numbers on, on COVID um, locally. Uh, I'll admit that, that these weren't, you see the national numbers a lot, but I guess here locally, I don't. So it was interesting to see what, what we have here in Hampton Roads. 
Uh, and so initially you can see that these are just seven day moving average of infections. And you can see that this is updated through October 25th. And so in terms of infections, we're now at a high. Um, again, this doesn't necessarily mean deaths, but when you're seeing some of these news items of late about how infections are up, it's true. And we're actually above where we were, uh, even in the, the big furor, like in the you know April, May part, or in later July when it was at a high. And these uh, tests are probably more accurate too from... I would think so. Um, my, my feeling is that testing is more widespread. Um, in, in a few slides, I have one that talks about the percentage positives. And okay. those are quite a bit lower than they were initially. And, and my feeling is probably at least when it started, the folks who really had symptoms were getting it. Um, I mean, like personally, I'm going to be getting a test in a month. I have a trip. I'm flying somewhere where I have to have one when I get off the plane. And so I'm thinking there's more folks like me that are getting them now, just with their work, and travel, those sorts of things. Uh, and so while the number of infections have increased, the number of deaths have remained relatively flat or lower. You can see that the, the, the maximum that we had in terms of seven-day seven day moving average was in April slash May. And then while recently we've had a little bit of an uptick, you know, we're at 802 as of seven days ending October 25th, it's still below some of those highest levels and sort of the late, um, late summer second peak. Uh, and so here you can see for us here in Hampton Roads and then Virginia as the state. Um, and then it also has bars that reflect where we were in the phases in terms of reopening. So you can see like the shelter in place, phase one, where it was, I can't remember exactly the measures, but clearly we're in, in phase three now where we can you know move about fairly liberally, but there's still restrictions. Um, you can see for us in Hampton Roads, the peak was in that late July, early August. Um, even although on the state level, there's been a little bit of some increase recently, right? So coming into October, there's been some movement up. Uh, and so again, infections don't necessarily translate to deaths, but this does show some of the reason while it's getting some play, I think, in the media. Uh, there are always the different arguments we could make about, well, the election could be ginning some of the talk, but um, at least at least the data showing that infections are up. Okay. Uh, and so here's the seven day moving average of test positivity. Um, you have Virginia is the darker line and Hampton Roads is the red. And you can see really in Hampton Roads, we've been pretty low in terms of positivity minus the, the July, at least relative to, to the state. And then we're currently below the state at around a 4% positivity rate, 5% for the state at large. Um, you can see where it was shelter in place, probably a lot of those people had the symptoms you know, these were the folks that were probably going into hospitals just because it wasn't widespread available. Why it wasn't available in a widespread manner at that point. Okay, so at least the initial uh, COVID-19 um, testing numbers. And then some of the, I don't like to throw around the word historic, but I think when you look at what has happened this year, and especially when you consider it relative to what had the numbers in 2008, which was a historic recession, at least for the last couple of generations, because it was the largest recession since World War II. Uh, I think the real question on a lot of people's minds is how long will this take, right? So a lot of this was sort of self-imposed with the response to the virus mm -hmm. in 2008. And as things open back up, will things ramp back up um, in terms of the broader economy? Because at least what I, I gathered from a little chat before the, we started um, the, the presentation, 
um, real estate seems to be doing pretty well. I mean, I think that the, the low interest rates, um, once people got out and were willing to move around, they were looking. Um, and and I'll, I'll circle back around to that here in a little bit, just because there's some other anecdotal things that I'm, I might share. Uh, but so here initially, just some broad statistics uh, talking about the, uh, excuse me, Hampton Roads. And this comes up until February 2020. So this is basically before uh, everything started to sort of fall apart in March. Uh, you can see okay. labor force in terms of the number of people who are either employed or unemployed and looking um, going up at the highest, highest, highest numbers we've seen since pre-2008. Also, What's the difference between labor force, force and employment? Uh, so employment um, is strictly individuals who have uh, jobs, right? So these are people okay. who are working for a wage who officially count as employed. And the civilian labor force includes individuals who are also looking for work actively, right? So you have to be between a couple like 16 and 65, non-incarcerated, actively looking for work. So that's why okay. full-time students don't count. There's a few other rules that fall in there. Okay. All right. And so these numbers would look different, you know, if you looked at other metros like perhaps Charlotte or Raleigh, which have been growing at a faster rate. Um, but generally speaking, since 2008, both of these numbers have gone up, or actually since 2010, which were sort of the troughs, right, uh, following the recession. All right. Unemployment rate. Um, it is something to be said that, that at in March or February of 2020, we had really hit a, a very tight labor market. The unemployment rate was down around 3%, and this is locally. And then on the national scale, it was not much different. Um, uh, there were lots of stories about firms having troubles finding uh, workers. Uh, you had workers leaving for higher paying jobs. Um, it was, the economy was moving well, right? Historically, is 3% like pretty darn good? I mean, it just three percent seems like pretty. I don't know. So, honestly, there is a, a concept known as the natural rate of unemployment, which is which is thought to be what unemployment will just hover around because you know maybe Dan gets uh, restationed on the other side of the United States and has to find a job. Although you're in the armed forces, Dan, I'm sorry, you would not be counted as unemployed. <laughs> right. uh, but like, if I graduate from college. Right. And like they're just people who graduate. I'm looking for work um, that that counts as um, part of the natural rate of unemployment. Um, when you take out the unemployment that's related to the business cycle, that's really thought to be around four to five percent. And so this three percent number was was low relative to historic levels. Um, and so there was a lot of talk around that late 2019, early 2020 about is natural is the natural rate of unemployment actually lower now? So wow, which would have been sort of a historical shift. Like, is it now like we're just going to have tighter labor market? But um, don't worry, this this graph changes when I add in <laughs> like the, the next month or two. Um, and so how quickly that bounces back, I think, is, is the next like, sort of the big question. OK. Um, so non-farm payrolls. So this is just number of jobs. This is a different way of counting. Um, so here we just have number of jobs where the other was the number of people in the, in the workforce. Uh, you can see the, the local uh, lowest that, that we had was around 2010 at 733,000. And we were above the 2007, 2008 level. Uh, 
this sort of shows and so God, it was a long like a long way back from 2008 and a lot of people didn't like how quickly it happened uh, and I think this sort of shows that it was 2017 2018 or so until the jobs that were lost in the recession were made back locally Wow. Uh, and, and that says something. I mean, there was economic growth. Product, product, production was increasing, but the jobs were just slow to come back. Um, that's a function of, well, not only the labor market here, but elsewhere. But here we're rather dependent on government spending. And that comes sort of towards the end, but I'll relate it back to, to this. Okay. But it's in pretty significant relation to. Uh, yeah, just because a lot of local employment serves, if even even if you're not directly in the military. A lot of the local employers serve the military. And so it's just a lot of activity that's related to that. So there's a local, well, at least within the Draga Center and the Econ Department, we make jokes about how um, we're shielded from some things, right? So the recessions aren't as bad here oftentimes, but we're oftentimes slower to, to rebound when, when economic activity declines. Um, so there might be less risk, when you have individuals who are in the armed forces because of housing allowances and such, you'll have people who can always perhaps pay, pay the rent, pay, pay the housing note, but the new job growth perhaps just isn't here as much as it has been in some of the other local population centers that we have nearby. To all my investors, I did not pay him to say that. <laughs> <laughs> I was not coached. <laughs> and so, so you have the good sort of trend line, and then we have the impact of COVID-19. And so this is where you'll see those series sort of change. Uh, so this is initial claims for unemployment insurance. Uh, March 14th, which is basically when things sort of got started. And this is here in the Hampton Roads Metro. And you can see in one week, in the beginning of April, we had 30,000 people. That's um, yeah, and the, the numbers have clearly declined, right? And you see the second peak, is that late July time when those the cases had gone back up again? Uh, now, do people have to refile for unemployment, or does it stay like as long as you keep it? So this is only initial claims. So so this will not talk about continuing claims. People who are continuing to draw, which is actually the next slide. Um, Sorry. No, no, no. Great setup. And I was like, great, Alex. You know, I'm that, I'm that really annoying uh, student in your classroom. <laughs> not at all. It's a good setup. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, but but you can see that the number has slowed dramatically, even though we're still running above what we were in March, which which was a tight labor. Continuing claims for unemployment. And so this was a little bit slower to peak out in early May. But, you know, this is quite a few folks who are out of work here. You've got almost 90,000 in May. And then the continuing claims have declined to 40,000. And and some of those workers are sort of aging out of that uh, expanded benefit too, where there was talk on the news, whether it was good or bad, I'll leave to everyone to decide on their own, but some individuals could actually make more you claiming their unemployment benefits based on the, the federal match or the federal additional monies. And so there was talk that maybe that was incentivizing some people to stay out of the workforce. So and when did that, when did that end just while we have the graph up, when did that kind of, uh, I wish I could tell you that it was right there at the end of July, drop <laughs> was, but I can tell you it was relatively close to that. It's it's been a month to five or six weeks is the best I can remember because we talked about it in, in the hallways here. Yeah, and 
to see how much things would change. But it has been enough that we would hope to see some declines. And in not saying that that was the total cause, but continuing claims are declining. But it's a mo probably a motivating factor in there. Right. And, and these are these are good, right? Unless individuals are just stopping looking for work, but um, we don't necessarily see that. Uh, so this is a graph that I'd never seen done or shown for a recession until 2008. But I do think that this shows how quickly those job losses came. So you have the 2001 recession, and this just shows permanent job losses from peak employment. So like right before the recession started, and then you have percentage job loss. And so notice 2001 was more shallow than any of the other two, the 2007, 2008 recession or current virus but see how slow 2008 was and so this is the story of some of the other issues like some of those permanent job losses were really like seven eight years out before they were replaced locally and again that just shows how slow things were here in terms of job creation but i think the story here and this makes sense if you think about the, the shelter in place where everything was really shut down on very abruptly these job losses that you're saying, seeing here with the red line were very quick. Like they came within the first three to four months of the onset. Now there is some hiring that's picking up. Um, the presentation I watched today said that um, currently uh, we're about halfway back from the low. And so there's some question about how, how things will proceed when some of that federal stimulus sort of starts to fizzle and we're on that verge right now and so they think it's a it's going to slow it down or well i think that you could say that some of that rebound will at least slow and you could just right now and so this is some of the talk about the stimulus like further stimulus and again this is not perhaps incorporating concern about the longer term issues about debt and deficit this is just saying in the short term this could stall growth for you know the next five to six months and, and well, the dynamics of the recovery bond matter are something separate. But in absence of an additional stimulus, you could see some slowing. I think is okay. sort of the, the clear thought there. Uh, so quick job losses were the main takeaway from this slide. Uh, and, and just real quick, what what ref, what makes it permanent? So you might have a temporary layoff. Um, so my father worked maintenance at a ConAgra plant. I'm originally from Arkansas, if anyone hears my accent. I normally make jokes. <laughs> uh, it becomes clear after a little while. And uh, so sometimes they would uh, not, they, it was a plant that often ran three shifts, but if they laid off people either seasonally or if they laid off people temporarily. And so that would not be a permanent job loss. Okay. It's just like a plant closed or a small business closed, then that would be permanent job losses. And so those are the ones that are harder to, to come back when you have gotcha. to if, a, if, if a restaurant shut down, then that job right. is gone. Right. It's recreated, basically. Yeah. And, and that's been some of the concern with this is a lot of those smaller businesses just don't have the cash flow or they didn't have the, the, the financial pad to keep going. Um, and that's what I'm actually interested. That's another thing if someone wants to chime in about how commercial real estate's uh, been looking here. I know that interest rates are low, right? But is it soft in terms of demand for commercial real estate just because you might have some places like restaurants perhaps that, that, that we Yeah. Can... I'm I'm super curious about that too. 
Um, I think a lot, you know, not to get sidetracked, but I'd love to see how many of the owners of a lot of the commercial space in Hampton Roads, especially just because that's where we're at, um, is owned by people that are older and are kind of financially set. Because a lot of people in my sphere that I've seen, they're kind of like, we'll just hang out here. We've owned these for 50 years now, <laughs> you know? Um, so you wonder how much of that is, is the case or how much has been recently purchased. Those people that recently purchased are going to be really struggling, you know? Right. And it could be according to the mix too, of what's in your space. Um, I think that perhaps some of that light retail, the stuff that where you need people that are foot traffic coming in are probably more harmed. Uh, nice. I, yeah. Yeah. I, I had a friend who just bought a commercial space in Virginia beach, but it was for, they were planning, it was specifically to rent to an internet business that was going to sell. And I was oh. like, um, that was a good person to run out to. <laughs> yeah, it seemed, seemed like it, in that business, supposedly had been doing well. And I was like, oh. Yeah. Yeah. And so I, according to the mix, it might make a difference on the demand as well. Yeah. So, Interesting. Um, yeah. So circling back. So the unemployment rate by race, um, different groups by ethnicity have been affected differently. Um, you can think that especially groups perhaps with lesser education or if there are certain groups that are more exposed to perhaps leisure and hospitality jobs, um, they might have experienced greater rates of unemployment. Uh, and you can see for all groups, there was this big jump going from February to April, uh, the red being April, all of which have declined at least some, um, but elevated relative to where we were early in the year. Uh, distribution of population and continuing unemployment claims. Uh, so while initially you can see that whites, and so the, the blue bars, you just thought this is the percentage distribution of the folks who filed. Um, so uh, the population of unemployment claims, those are majority white uh, up through the full time period, but you can see in September, uh, the majority of individuals who filed. So this is those who claimed uh, in September uh, are relatively more likely to be black. And so it could be an, an issue with what types of employment they're exposed to. Um, I mean, I was at least in Virginia Beach near the waterfront. The hotels looked full this last weekend. Anecdotes, you never know what to say. Uh, but it, it didn't seem like people were going in places as much. Uh, it, it just seemed like a weird feel relative to what I would think for a nice weekend day. Uh, yeah. Close to the beach. Uh, so SNAP participation rate. Uh, so this is food stamps. Um, I can't, sometimes I remember what SNAP stands for, but it, it's what's perennially known as food stamps. You can see that it hit uh, what has been the high for numerous years in 2013, 2014 and had finally stubbornly gotten below 10%, but jumped quickly um, post, post virus onset. Now that's confusing to me because 2009, 2010 was kind of the trough of a lot of economic. So why, why did it hit in 2014? And, and just, just so I can understand this graph a little bit. I think there was, and so this is just my perception I think there were some increased efforts at making those individuals known, like to, to make it known to individuals who qualified that they could receive benefits um, through some of these years. 
and that opportunities were maybe higher at that point. Right. Okay. Um, uh, that that's my the way I interpret this. Now it does seem like that is a little bit of a lag from the the trough of the, Depre the Great Recession, but that that's my understanding of that. Um, and it tapered off, but we've we've jumped up quick. Jumped up quick, yeah. Yeah, and so this is some of the also the concerning thing for individuals who might be concerned about food security is especially with the fall. It's surprised. Uh, it's surprising to me when I think about like I drive through Norfolk, I drive through Virginia Beach, and it looks relatively in affluent. But the percentage of, of students who get the main source of nutrition from school is is more than you might anticipate. I, I feel a little hesitant to throw out a percentage, but especially this year with the, the local schools being online, there was a lot of concern about you know, will students or younger children get enough calories? Yeah. Um, and so there was, there was a, a chapter in the actual state of the region about food security in local food banks. It might be of interest uh, if people want to know more about it. Follow up on that. That's pretty interesting because I, I have heard that, that, you know, Norfolk Public Schools feeds, you know, more kids than really anybody. You know, it's it's, it's surprising. I the percentage, but it, it's surprising for us to, to to seemingly be a pretty affluent area. I mean, there's there's always the lesser wealthy, but um, that is the case. Uh, distribution of population uh, and COVID-19 deaths. And so we just have unweighted population uh, in the United States. And so we're still 60.1% uh, of the population. Uh, in the United States is white. You can see 18.5% Hispanic. And so the weighted population represents uh, the population of each group um, that's really in the heavier, uh, more heavily affected areas of COVID-19. And so you can see that the areas okay. that are more affected by COVID-19, they're more apt to have minority individuals, right? So you can see the greater percentage of Blacks, the greater percentage of Hispanics. But relative to that, that's where you see the, the numbers on, on deaths, right? So even though there's a greater percentage of blacks that live in those areas, even within those areas, those who catch or, you know, contract COVID-19 are more apt to, to die from. And so this caught some traction in uh, the news media talking about how um, minorities have been adverse, more adversely affected by the virus than others. And now there's some lifestyle issues that, um, coincide with that. But um, it's, it's, it's just to point out that that really no group has been affected, um, or excuse me, has not, has remained unaffected from the... Gotcha. Um, this is not only in terms of sickness, but you can think of anxiety or depression. Also, a lot of people have been closed up uh, in houses. Uh, they haven't been getting out much. I have friends that, you know, they didn't leave except to go to the grocery store for a while. Uh, and so this is numbers that come from the Census Bureau. Um, just asking, have you uh, felt or uh, indicated uh, symptoms of anxiety or depression? And even as recently as mid-September, you've got over one in three in the United States reporting issues from this. And so this is an ongoing uh, problem with this. It's not only the virus, but it's also the over, like the spillover effects from that. Mm -hmm. uh, you see that these differ by race. Um, and so Asian being the yellow, that's the lowest of the four lines and uh, Hispanics having 
relatively higher indicators of anxiety of depression followed by blacks right and so uh, this in itself again is not um, colorblind uh, they do seem to differ by race and you could think that possibly with the differing levels of unemployment uh, the differing level of infection that you see by biracial background and ethnicity but this perhaps isn't surprising if you're more apt to have perhaps known someone who's contracted or died from it that you could be more concerned or especially if you're sitting around and, and you'd like to work as well yeah if you don't have a job and you're hmm. you're affected by it economically as well as physically um wow now how do they how do they measure anxiety like what's the what's the indicator that indicators that they're using so so my understanding of this measure is it's it's a household survey and so you would have someone who's either online or on the phone and they're asking them questions like have you felt nervous have you been concerned about paying this month's bills uh do you do you feel tired some of the classic questions that i think that i get asked when i have to sign at the doctor's office now <laughs> now that i think now you know, one out here is is the Asian community, and the last uh, once you hit nine, it shoots up. It's like going up like crazy. I'm just wondering, curious, like if there's some kind of uptick there on something, you know? Yeah, I'm I'm less versed in that to be able to. I can make something up. Go for it, make something up, man. <laughs> Do it all the time. <laughs> yeah. So, how do these numbers compare to pre-COVID numbers? I mean, we're all a little anxious, but you know, how much did it spike? Do we have those numbers? That is a great question. I'll, I'll admit that I'm not aware to be able to compare. Uh, I, I can tell you that I would assume that they're higher, but the, the relative amount that they were higher, I, I, I could not address. So that, that is a good question. So did I punt the football effectively on that? Yes. <laughs> I try. I didn't even do a real good job about econ talk about like saying nothing for five minutes. No, you're good, man. You're good. I like it. Straight, straight to it, man. Hey, I don't have that data. <laughs> Sometimes it's better just to say I don't know. Yeah. Uh, so we're we're back. We're looking at Hampton Roads. Uh, we're looking since uh, COVID uh, impact started. So civilian labor force and individual employment. And so this is the shorter version of that long graph from earlier, only shown for the last few months. And so you can see the labor force here. It is a bit off, but it hasn't drastically declined. And so nationwide, there's been some questions as the unemployment rate has declined. Is it because people are no longer looking for work or have they exited the labor force? And so this is actually a good sign for us locally that we still have about the same number of people in the labor force as what we had in February. I mean, after we had some people that rejoined. Uh, so when we see those declines in the unemployment rate, this means that people are really getting jobs in the Hampton Roads area. Yeah. Uh, and so you can see that, but the employment in itself has fallen off, right? So we've got over 40,000 fewer jobs uh, than what we had six months ago in, in February, or actually now, I guess it's almost November. I apologize, nine months ago. Where has the year gone? <laughs> uh, unemployment rate. And so you can see what a difference comparing year to year. Um, and so the blue indicators represent 2019. 
Uh, you can see in February, we hit our localized low this year of 3%. And what a difference, I want to say a day makes, just referring to the song, but what a difference a month and a half makes, right, or two months, where we peaked out in April at 12%. Uh, and so that's come down quite a bit. And I think the real question is, so you've got these things, just like Fred Bergson said today, some of the, the stimulus might be wearing off a bit. Where does it go from here? Is it really going to be that sharp, you know, comeback or spring back, or are things going to flatten out uh, as we move forward out of this? Because they've been moved, moving pretty, pretty dramatically in since April, mm -hmm. right? But you're saying it, maybe it'll flatline. Yeah, it may not. The, the The rate of improvement may not be this strong. Uh, there, there was some joking around uh, before the presentation started about, you know, forecasting or prognosticating about the election uh, and its effects. Um, but I do think that at least from and I don't think this is really that much of a surprise that Biden has sort of telegraphed. It seemed like he did in the debate to me that he, he might increase restrictions, which if restrictions come back in, that could slow some of the recovery uh, coming back. So. Uh, that, that's at least the way I anticipate it. But, but yeah, yeah. And I want to make clear, and I know I know you guys have said this before in previous years. You guys, when y'all do this research, are unbiased on parties. Y'all are just taking data and putting it out there without a political agenda. So yeah, that 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 is certainly the way I'm trying to interpret it. Okay. <laughs> understands this you know yeah we'll throw some political stuff out there and political questions are going to come up just with right. the what we're dealing with in our world right now yeah it's, we're, we're a week away from election. like what can you do like this is what people want to talk about but this this report and and honestly the professors and you guys have always done a really good job of staying pretty neutral so you know just want to make sure people understand that no there's no political agenda here just um, stating some information that can be affected depending on can candidates. Take it however you want, but it's not Jay saying, hey, go vote for so-and-so. Yeah. There's no D or an R, either one beside my name. <laughs> Normal joke. So I can make it sound official. Unemployment remains elevated, but I do not know if we'll see the rate of improvements that we've seen since April. Right, which was that local maximum. Uh, another stark difference. Right? So here we have cumulative growth in non-farm payrolls. So this is individuals who are working in Hampton Roads. You can see from 2010 for a decade, more than the job creation in our metro area of over a million people was wiped out in a month, two months. Wow. Yeah. Wait, wait. 65,000 jobs, 80,000 jobs, you know, evaporated and we rebounded, right? So we're back to 19.6, 19.6 thousand or 19,600 more jobs than we had in March, 2010, but that's still nowhere close to where we were at. And it's just not that, that's not that much growth if you're looking back. Well, that's what, that's what I'm curious about because I don't see, you know, it, it's, ignorance more than anything, but I don't, you know, I feel like, oh, people are back to work. They're back doing stuff. You know, it's hard to see that we're only at what a 
third of the way back. I'm not a mathematician, but basically. Yeah. Oh, 2016. It looks, and so I don't want to just say, hey, this looks about so <laughs> around 80,000 jobs. Uh, and we've gained about 40 back. Right? So minus okay. 22 to plus 20. And so around half of that gap has returned. And I don't know. It seems like the, the traffic is back in the tunnel. <laughs> yeah, that's there. <laughs> Maybe I'm wrong. Jobs, man. Keep it coming. But yeah, for, yeah. for a long time this summer, I don't know that I felt that way. I could get on, you know, like the interstate and it was, oh, it was nice. You could move around. <laughs> get places quickly. Yeah, which is not a good sign necessarily for people <laughs> to work, but um, it seems like the traffic's back. And it's easy, at least I sort of tend to forget, but like I, I think some. Some restaurants are running shorter hours still, perhaps running fewer shifts. And I'm, I'm thinking this is the same for other businesses. So perhaps it's not as easy to see as it was, but there, there are fewer jobs now than what there was. Where are we at? I know there's some comments. Oh, yes. No, Facebook. I did not say that I thought Biden won the last debate. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know who that was referring to. It was in the conversation. I indicated during the last debate if he won there would be more restrictions and closures. <laughs> I think if he wins the election. Yes. Right? Is that what we're getting at? The way I think that I anticipated. Not if he won the debate. Yeah. I don't know if you can say who won debates now. <laughs> well, I don't know who can show those debates these days, but maybe they can. I don't know. The debate certainly happened. <laughs> <laughs> there was a debate. There was one, yes. Uh, so, so here you can see sort of a breakdown of where those jobs were lost. So this, this sort of this gives you a little more information about the last slide where we saw the drop in jobs. Uh, a lot in leisure and hospitality. A lot in retail. Some of the places that you would have expected to be closed. Right? And so this is through August. So this is through some of that rebound. So some of those have uh, come back. Uh, state and local government, people don't always think of where federal government often does. They don't have the credit constraints, but tax revenues re really fell off. And so I think that some of the local individuals here, you're, you're seeing those layoffs and this sort of reverberates in terms of their spending and, and going forward. Uh, so we could see some more improvements of these. Clearly, if some of the stuff closes back up, um, there may not be improvement, especially in some of those leisure, you know, professional and bus services. I would think that would be related to tourism as well. Um, so are there repercussions as like state government shut down? You don't have as much services. Um, things are getting backed up. For example, I installed a bathroom in my house and it took six weeks to get the permit. <laughs> you know, is that going to affect other, other areas later on? Oh, it, it's tough vision how that could if you have short staff departments trying to process um, permits. I mean, I sent off for a uh, passport two or three months ago. Normally, I would have expected to get it back. Uh, so this is uh, a good question that came from a Facebook user. And honestly, I'm not sure where hair salons fall in these categories here. That would probably be, hmm. I don't know. It might fall under other services. 
Um, I wanted to tell some anecdotal stories about Arkansas, where I'm from. Um, one of my best friends, his uh, his wife has a salon, and they were shut down for an extended period. Uh, the Department of Health came through, and they had lots of trouble when they walked open back up. And I would assume that that would probably be the safe here in Virginia. Um, I know they were glad when it, when she was able to get get started again. I bet. And restaurants, or is that the leisure um, and hospitality? Yeah, to me, I think that that's fallen under that leisure and hospitality measure. Okay. Yeah. Oops, I'll move. Uh, some of the initial claims for state unemployment insurance sort of already touched on this. Um, I won't necessarily uh, go back through again. Uh, there was a peak early on. Uh, oh, that's right. This is for the Virginia as a whole before it was for Hampton Roads. Um, and you can see we're still elevated at 9,000 above what we were before, but they're notably lower. Uh, so this is just for Virginia. Uh, we have the continuing claims for the for Virginia as a whole. This mirrors pretty much what we saw here in the region, the peak around May, uh, trailing off uh, notably since August. Hmm. Oh. Yeah, I, I can believe that. Um, I'm assuming that everyone's seeing it. It's like individual who owns some salons and said that they're still down 25% relative to last year. Uh, I don't doubt that. Um, I'd be 70, 75%. They're at 25%. Oh, oh, yeah. Yeah, that's, that's right. 12 salons still down. Oh, no, you're right. You're right. Still down 25%. Yeah. Um, I was interested to know sort of the age demographic of those that are coming in. If you, you have some of the perhaps some of the older um, uh, uh, customers that are still staying at home, perhaps, um, and how that was working, or if it could be something else that's draw, driving it, uh, or maybe individuals are just trying to go more infrequently. Yeah, it's, it's I tell you what, it's interesting. Uh, I'm pretty like, in general, before, before all this, I was pretty much the opposite of a germaphobe. Um, of course, my wife was pregnant during all this, so we kind of switched gears a little bit. But now that everything's kicked back up, we're kind of back. I would say I'm pretty liberal as far as like, hey, I'll just go out and be careful and watch my social distance and wash my hands and do all that stuff. Um, I'm still definitely not going out into places and spaces that – you know, I don't need to go to, I will push things off longer than I maybe did before. Um, not that I'm the perfect example, but you wonder if that reciprocates throughout the, you know, society is, well, I don't have to do this. You know, I'll let my hair grow longer or I'll, you know, maybe shop online or, you know, uh, I, I'm, I'm just, I think I'm sure you've got, you know, There'll be some data out there eventually that will. Yeah, I mean, I, th I see anecdotal things. I think I'm mostly back to normal, but I, I meet a lot of people just on sidewalks with masks outside. And, and so certainly there are those that are still being um, more cautious than generally speaking. I do I like to bring this back to the military because it's what I know. Um, some of us don't have a choice. I mean, I, I'm still not allowed to go out and get a haircut off base. Uh, and they, they shut everything down for a long time. I had one haircut this year. So 
you know, and that's still a lot of us under a lot of restrictions. So we're, we're just not allowed to go out and do things, can't sit inside at restaurants, things like that. So when you have such a big military population, that has to affect the local uh, economy. Yeah, I, I've been shaving my head for years, so it's, it's really not me. <laughs> yeah, I'm not doing that. I'm not that dedicated. <laughs> Yeah, I think we I think we hit that. Thank you, whoever threw that out there. We appreciate that. Mm -hmm. On my screen it says Facebook user, so it's pretty generic. Uh, yes. But Facebook user. Let me see. I may need to share my screen again. I wasn't expecting is it does it look like a laser light show for everyone else? Halloween screen. Yeah. Hmm. There. Oh. I'll try it again and see what we can get done. Better. Whew. Right. Like magic. Uh, uh, so I think that this is something that is is an ongoing concern and, and something that we. Clearly, uh, small businesses are still worried about uh, the pandemic. So this is another U.S. Census Bureau uh, survey. This is for Hampton Roads small businesses. Uh, and these are replies. So you can see the orange, um, which means moderate negative impact. And the blue means large negative impact. And so the question was, has the overall effect of the pandemic been largely negative, like a large negative or a moderate negative? And so we are clearly off of that high in May of 90%, but there's still a lot of the small businesses that are seeing moderate to large negative effects from this. Uh, and so while it may feel like things are getting close to normal, it doesn't seem like in terms of probably, I might, my assumption would be cash flow and then feet coming through the door that things are back. Um, again, just some more evidence of, so I hate to say the same thing 14 ways, but, yeah, no, it's, it's, it's a big drop and it's 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 taking a while. And, and what's what's weird is when I get to the uh, real estate, which is coming up soon after the hotels, the hotels are <laughs> it throws everything negative. off. I'm telling you, real estate looks pretty good <laughs> in, in terms of uh, the statistics there. Um, so as the sort of the lead slide coming into the real estate and hotels, the hotels are coming back um, and real estate remains strong. So first, I think four slides are on hotels and then we'll be on real estate for, for most of the rest of the time. Uh, you can see the real revenue. So again, this is through 2019. You know, we're, uh, we're up after a sort of a, a low point in 2013 in terms of hotel revenues. Uh, 2020 hotel revenue is a percent of 2019 revenue. I think this is something really dire about what happened, you know, mid or like early summer. January, February started off strong relative to the prior year. April, only like 24% of last year's revenue came wow. for hotels. And really those three months, June, July, and August is, yeah, that's the bread and butter right there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because normally there would be a lot of folks here uh, in, in our metro. And it was, they, some of it materialized. It did pick up some towards the end, but that's, that's a lot of lost revenue. 
year-over-year uh, -year percent change uh, by class of hotels. And so you can think of upper, um, upper scale uh, in the red, mid-scale in the blue, and, and it seems like those in the, in the higher price ranges, so that the upscale hotels were more harmed um, through the year. Uh, no one got, got free, of course, but it was sort of those higher price um, that took the bigger hit. Uh, and so this is revenue per available room. Again, this mirrors just sort of the total revenue. Those that were the higher, uh, higher price, uh, higher upper scale uh, hotels took a larger hit in terms of the negative. And so I believe we'll move on to the stuff that's more pertaining to real estate for the next few slides. Uh, and so this is through October 1st. Um, from my knowledge, 30-year mortgage rates are still bouncing around the same amount, right? So this is really nice. I'm assuming you're able to, you're talking to buyers, um, when you're looking at the same price or higher prices, you're able to get them into a house for lower monthly payment, right? When you've got- Absolutely. Yeah, you know, when you've got rates this- Liability is going way up. Yeah. In uh, that, I oh, think- that's the last few years, that's great. Yeah uh relatively low in and so i read a okay uh the, the the minutes of the the central bank the federal reserve their most recent meeting and they were talking about what they anticipated interest rates to be going forward and you hate this like anticipate that rates are going to be this 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 low you know when you're already close to historic lows for extended periods but they are not talking about uh, like anticipated rate increases for the, for, the, for the near term. Yeah, I've read that recently. The feds are saying they're going to keep it down to up to 2023. Do yeah. you know, like, is that something they can actually do? Or is that if administration changes or basically is anybody, can anybody really say, oh, we're just going to hold it down to 2023? Or is that? Right. So um, the Federal Reserve is by law supposedly uh, independent of the federal government wow it should not matter now you know there could be you could apply for <laughs> how that works I'm, I'm just an economist here in norfolk yeah uh, they are supposedly independent from the federal government and interest rate policy should should really not depend on who's in the white house okay so they're giving forward guidance of relatively lower rates um, if you look around the world the eurozone is at our interest rate level or lower, uh, Asia's comparable. I, I think that these could stay for a while. Now, at the end of the day, you know, the central bank sets targets and the markets, what actually determines the interest rate. There could be things that force these up, but at least the Federal Reserve, I think, is anticipating trying to keep lower interest rates for a while. Um, and if it does go up, there'll probably be some signs that it's going to go up. It's not just all of a sudden going to shoot up, or you think? So unless there's some unexpected inflation that, that comes about, and inflation has been relatively mild, um, I mean, I don't think that there's any talk of like concerns about oil stocks. I mean, if there was something that shut down the Strait of Hormuz, right? There's always some geopolitical events that could cause trouble. Uh, but Dan, do you know if that's happening? <laughs> not to my knowledge. <laughs> Do my best to stop it. Yeah. Um, so I would anticipate these lower interest rates for, for a while. Right? Yeah, I think that's a game changer. Yeah. 
in my world. <laughs> That's the world I'm in. Yes. Uh, and so here's some just nominal and real median sales price of existing homes. Um, the, the, the nice data that I think you'll, that you will be clued in on and that will make sense is the ones when I show from the last two years, year to year, uh, there have been strong increases. Um, the difference between nominal and real? Uh, so nominal sales price adjusts for inflation. And so over time, prices have generally gone up. And so if we didn't try to account for that change in prices just sort of over time, it's going to make things look more expensive than what they are. So like when you might hear your grandparents, was like, I remember when gas cost a nickel. I was like, well, you need to adjust that for the change in prices. And so like that five cent gas might be 78 cents or something today once you adjust. That yeah. sounds like a super complicated math equation right there. Uh, <laughs> uh, what they do is in Washington, D.C. to give you the number, but to adjust it. Not so bad. Okay, there we go. Uh, month supply of existing homes. This may or may not be a, a huge surprise. I, I can tell you that I don't know that I would anticipate that it would have declined because the red is post-COVID. And so just envision like the number of sales each month by the number of state homes that are existing for sale in Hampton Roads. And so right now there's 1.67 months at current sale rates available supply. And you can see this is clearly, I mean, it's before two, it's below 2007 levels. Wow. Uh, I'm, it, it feels lowest as. Yeah. I'm assuming I mean, stuff turning over. Um, it's just the way it's looking to me. Uh, three days, man. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> two or three days if it's if it's turnkey it's two or three days if it's you know yeah yeah um, yeah if you've got a marketable yeah. if you're if you're in the sweet spot of right. of real estate once you get up to higher price ranges and right. more unique or more work to be done on the property it definitely goes up but yeah that's it's crazy yeah and so i'm here in a second i can move through them kind of quick but i'll show you historically the differences those are uh, and so here are just the monthly sales prices the last two years. Uh, 2019, you can see in blue, increasing. 2020, the median price, $2,265,000 in, in September was the median, up $40,000 since the start of the year. This is you know, some real increases in terms of median sales price. Uh, how have prices changed by different city in the metro? Yeah, this slide was really interesting to me. Just right. to see where. Um, I actually pulled the one from last year's presentation that I made uh, as well. Oh. <laughs> nice. Uh, and you can see these are strong. Even um, some of the underperformers, like uh, so, like Williamsburg, has been slow to increase in recent years. They're seeing five percent, which is pretty strong. Uh, I can't remember who was slow. Didn't Portsmouth have some trouble for a few years? But that, that's in two slides. So now let's go in the Wayback Machine. I looked that up. It's from Rocky and Bullwinkle. I was excited. From last year's presentation. Nice. So 2018 August, 2019 August. Again, so there were increases, but not, not those big sizes like we've seen this year. 5%, 8% Virginia Beach, 9% Suffolk. It was like... 3% Suffolk, 10% Portsmouth. And what a turnaround as we go further in the Wayback Machine 
from 2007 to 2018. Wow. So, That's over that, that period of time. Yeah. This is that stagnation post 2008. Newport News saw a 10% decline over a 10 year period in median sales price. Now, Jay, this is kind of my perception and you might have a better thought on it. You've looked at a lot more data than I have. Our market, um, a lot of markets have been shooting up really fast recently in the past couple of years. Um, I feel like, because uh, I talk to different friends in different markets that are, they've seen these jumps last year or the year before, and they're just cruising up. I feel like we really just hit it now. Mm-hmm. Is that, is that something that that you're seeing that like maybe we're hitting it later the increase we're just kind of hitting our our stride now or you think it's something directly related to the craziness of our market um, we we've got some low interest rates i think perhaps as well um I, and this is where perhaps you who are seeing people coming in the door looking mm-hmm. uh, i mean dc's been shut down for a while I've heard numerous stories of people from like New York City wanting to get out of the city or people from L.A., Bozeman, Montana, supposedly really hot in real estate right now. I read a story. Bozeman, Montana. Yeah. Uh, it's not winter yet. <laughs> but <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, I like that. some buyer's remorse there. <laughs> Montana in like February, it might be a different. That's different, yeah. Um, I mean, I know a few people in the metro that moved here from D.C. And like the longer they stay shut down, do you have this idea of like people maybe moving out, not necessarily just to the suburbs, but to some of the metros that are close for quality of life issues? We're relatively more open. Yeah. Uh, so might- one of our last speakers was a company, a guy, Matt Fisher, with a company Tesseract, who does a lot of Airbnb in the area. Mm-hmm. And they were in March, March, April time frame. They had a big onslaught of New York moving down because they do short-term rentals. And so they were doing kind of Airbnb got hit. They said, all right, we're going to switch it up and do some midterm rentals in New York. Got You know, not just New York, but, you know, these busy um, metropolitan areas were seeming to send people down here as well as for me too. Not, not at the same rate as them, just because I don't do as much quantity as them, but I've seen several people who have moved down here from New York City. And I wonder if that's going to be a continued trend or if that's going to end, you know, if that's something that's just going to kind of phase out. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's something to be said for the energy you find in New York City, but the longer you, you see these, these restrictions keep going and the more ingrained, because I mean, I'm still, at least on the, at the university, I mean, we're having all our meetings on Zoom. I'm afraid that we're going to get to a culture perhaps where this is more the norm. And, and, and while that's good for some areas, it could be good for our metro. It might be worse for those sort of like the, the large urban centers at the same time. Yeah, you lose kind of the reason why you went there, really. Yeah, if you can't bump into people on the street and make a deal, perhaps you can do just as well doing that in Virginia Beach or other places. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I want to make sure because I need to be mindful of the time. Uh, I know it's like 18 after. I don't want to run too much over. Uh, rents are strong. Those are, are trending up in both Hampton Roads and the U.S. Uh, I saw uh, a comment that came through from Facebook that they're having like, people just aren't wanting to move in general uh, in terms of rent. There we go from Patty. No one wants to move renters as well. 
I'll admit I've got a pretty good rent in, in Ghent where I live. I'm pretty loath to think about moving. Uh, so I do think that this is one that would be something to perhaps watch. I don't know what these rates are for our metro, uh, but these are expected eviction or foreclosure in the next two months. And so some of the slides that we may or may not have as much time for that are coming talk about distressed sales. And there are quite a few fewer distressed sales in Hampton Roads. Um, in the oh, we got time to talk about distressed sales, man. Okay. That's, 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 <laughs> that's, that's well, right I'm, up our alley. I'm assuming there are just fewer of them. But so according to like there was a moratorium on evictions and foreclosures for a while. Um, there's some questions about how that's going to continue, whether or not they're going to be allowed to serve papers on people and how this will work. But you can see, at least in Virginia, a lot more of the expected eviction foreclosure are in owner occupied relative to multifamily family rental. And this Ooh. is Virginia, not necessarily us, which I'm assuming we have at least some different mix because of the, the higher percent of military. What's the difference? What do you think the difference is there? I mean, that's a huge drastic difference. I mean, you're almost opposite. I know what the, what the, the, the nationwide, uh, and I'll just simply say that's a, that's a great question. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's crazy. That's just a huge discrepancy. So yeah. something definitely to keep an eye on. Yeah. And I know that this is something that y'all are interested in because distressed sales do, that's, that's where oftentimes you can get, get some good prices to turn around. Absolutely. Uh, and so, Probably not a big surprise. So here's the inventory of existing residential homes for Hampton Roads the last three years. Purple is this year. Been the, the inventory has been low all year relative to the wow. past three years. Right. So there's just fewer existing homes out there for sale. Feels like that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Strange, huh? You would for me in the virus, this this sort of the recent months, it, it doesn't seem intuitive that this would be the way it has worked, but uh, or it would have worked, but it has. Um, and so this is. Um, we do have a question from the last uh, slide. Does this mean single family versus multifamily or is owner occupied foreclosure? So I think she's, I'm trying to figure out what she's saying here. So I think what she's saying, and correct me if I'm wrong, is this um, actual evictions, like single family versus multifamily evictions, or are the single family, or is the uh, uh, single family more of a foreclosure, at least? Uh, that's kind of how I'm reading her question, but again- Or is it loan-based? Huh? Are you saying like, is it loan-based on, uh, um, owner occupied loan as opposed to an investor loan. No, because I mean this is shown as multifamily rental or owner occupied. So it's it's kind of those aren't two those aren't normally what you go against for each other. So normally it's multifamily versus single family, owner occupied versus rental. So right. how are you reconciling that? That is a great question, and and I am not certain how this was compiled. Um, I can look into it more and I can respond. Okay. Uh, and, and I can I can email you, I can put it up on Facebook or whatever. I'll, I'll yeah. find out about this slide, so slide 42. 
But thank you. It's a good question. Okay. Um, Are we good? Uh, yeah, supply of existing homes is rather low. So th this was one I thought that would probably be of specific interest. Um, just looking at the number of active listings of distressed homes in the metro. Uh, you can see that this is easily the lowest that we've had in two years. I've, I've got a slide in like five more slides that puts this historically since 2007 or so. Easily the lowest number that we've had in 12 years. Wow. Active listing. Right. So quite a few less. Uh, here's the active listing of distressed homes as a percentage of the total listing. Right. So here only 4.4% of total listings are listed as as distressed so relatively low number of distressed homes sold <laughs> what's the number of foreclosures are going up that high i'm not certain <laughs> <laughs> um again and so there's fewer out there fewer is the percentage of total on the market Sales of distressed homes as a percentage of the total homes sold. You can see at two and a half percent in September. There's just fewer getting pulled through pulled through the market. Uh, I'm assuming that y'all are having problems finding them. When I when I looked through these the last few days, I was like, this looks it's, like it's less and less um, that you can find. But I don't. I'm assuming that's going to change some. Right. And so here was the one that I thought was pretty. Pretty marked. So this is for the last 12 years. I apologize. From January 2008. Oh wow! Right. You can see the big peak in 2010, through over 3,000. Right, and mm -hmm. we're easily low. Man. So, so how this market moves? It's like the opposite of Virginia, right there. If you flip it. Ah. The picture looks like Virginia. Oh yes. I was going to say actually, <laughs> I have no. Again, this is that 4.4% number, but it's the same idea, right? So percentage of total homes that are distressed. We're still a little above where we were in 2008, but still low compared to historical the last 12 years. Um, yeah, I, I agree with our Facebook user there. Once moratoriums are over, it seems like that these distress should increase. Um, um, yeah, I mean, if you're if you're sitting on a home, you've got folks that aren't paying. It's tough to see how you can then forego that cash flow. You're probably going to have to start evicting people. Um, I, don't, I don't disagree. Do you guys in the economy world see that as being a something that's going to dramatically affect our housing market? Um, we've basically held off on foreclosures for a really long time, and we held off on evictions for a really long time. To me, those are two big factors in there. I know we're kind of touching on that, but. Right, so with an economist, right, I'm supposed to play both sides. <laughs> so while this may be good in the short term for the renters or the owners of those homes, uh, I mean, the people that they're either renting or they're servicing the loan from, they, they rented that with an expectation. Like they have bills to pay as well. I mean, the banks have have shareholders to demand to account to. 
Uh, you can't just stop um, foreclosures or evictions and not expect there to be secondary effects. Uh, if this becomes where investors suddenly think this could be more normal, and I'm by no means saying that we should expect it to be, that could change some of the equation when you're thinking about, well, do I buy this and cut it into a duplex or do I, you know, do I rent out this home and do I buy it as an investment or not? Um, it, it may just be a nature of this is a, a unique uh, situation with the virus. And, and I think that's the hope is that markets will function normally. But uh, it's tough. When you start playing with the rules, it's tough for people not to remember them for a while. Yeah, I mean, have we, have we historically been in this territory before? Oh, I'm not sure about other times when evictions have been like by rule of law said that you can't, but, but I, I will say that this is not my, my Yeah. Yeah. I just, I feel like it's something that we haven't seen before. I'm curious how it's going to trickle down in a lot of areas, you know? Yeah. And I think a lot, I think a lot of us are in this, in, in this real estate investment realm is, I'm not saying you have all the answers to everything, Jay. So I'm, not, I'm just throwing it out there because I think we're I'll all the same thing. It, you know, it's like, man, is there going to be a huge fall off of people getting foreclosed on? Or it's it's tough to see when that moratorium really lifts. You're going to have some folks that if they if they've been having trouble before, unless the jobs come back, and, and it's according to how do they have to pay make all the back payments? Are they going to be still going to be able to charge uh, fees? For what was missed um you may not have actually helped you may have just sort of put the recording off for a while yeah uh, i know we're right at when i was supposed to get the hook uh the defense spending story so this is sort of the tail that often wags the dog for us here and uh, from the most recent uh budget that was passed in 2019 there are some expected uh spending for defense Generally, greater defense spending has, has been good for us here in this region. And you can see through fiscal year 2025, uh, there are expected increases. And so, of course, budgets could change, but this sort of lets you know the way the winds are blowing, at least for the near to medium term. Uh, the risk I see, and we'll get there, more defense spending expected, you know, good year this year. But this is our short-term situation and long-term risk, right? So. You can see government deficits by month in the red is this year. So, so far we've over, we've spent 3 trillion more in payments than what have come in in federal taxes. And if you have a big weekend in Vegas, eventually you got to pay that money back. <laughs> like, like this isn't a big weekend. This is spent on money to, to the virus. You spend $3 trillion in uh, Vegas when you go, Jay? I would. <laughs> I mean, you know, a couple hundred. Some some days might not make me feel better. Yeah. Um, but I think that's the the longer term risk for us here, honestly, is just because there's a lot of reliance on that federal spending, and as the the debt grows, um, there's going to be some push in the in the budget and pressure. And so, where might that spending reallocate? Right. So, yeah. like social security is expected to be an issue over the medium to long term. Like that might crowd some things out. And so that's where I would say some of our risk here in this region. Defense maybe being cut back to cover some of this. Right. Yeah. In the next, you know, between now and 2025, perhaps not. You know, 15 years, 10 years, 
uh, when BRAC comes back around, the base realignment and closure, you, you just never know. Um, yeah, this sort of continues on with some of the stuff that I've already said. Um, I do think there's some reason to perhaps be positive about tourism just here because a lot of people still don't want to get on planes and we're near a lot of places that you could drive from. So maybe even in the next summer, I think people can drive here or the drive vacations can make a difference. Mm -hmm. Over the, you know, the longer term, we need to sort of diversify from defense, the port, the tourism stuff. And we're seeing some of that, right? We've got strengths with them and we've got some weaknesses. Uh, and so I know we're right at time, but hopefully if there's some if there are questions, if you want to just have a discussion, that's, that's my song and dance. So. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you, Jay. That was awesome, man. That's, that's a ton of really good information. Too much, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, man, that's what you do. You bring the information. So uh, the people who, who love that, I'm sure enjoyed it. I'm sure that people out here were like, all right, that's too much, too much overload for me. Let me go take a nap. But yeah, well, what Sean said for those of us who nerd out. Those of us who nerd out. Exactly. That, and that's, that's why we bring you on, man. We're all nerding out here. Um, so I'm going to give a quick, like, a quick soft ending, and then we'll open it up to Q&A so that in case people do want to jump off, they can. If people want to stick around and ask some questions, you can do that as well. So first of all, Jay, thank you for coming on. That was that was awesome. Really appreciate you. Um, and we appreciate, you know, you guys doing the State of the Region Address. I think that's a just a huge asset for our area to be able to look at it on a regional level. Um, to me, that that it's just so much more accessible than looking at all these national stats all the time and trying to make something up. Um, and guys, uh, three years in the makings. Um, thanks for, for joining us. Uh, we hope that you guys continue to join us, hop on Facebook, ask questions, get involved. Uh, this is really about the community, the opportunity community. Um, we want to hear what you guys want to hear about, want speakers to come in about. So please continue to hop on our Facebook and and fill us in so that when we're bringing in speakers and we're coming across different ideas, we're, we're it's it's a it's a group effort. Um, and uh, just kind of to close things out once again, um, Dan and I will be doing a house hacking seminar on that is November 10th. So you're military, you're not military, you're someone who wants to get into real estate investing um, portfolio. It's a great way to do it. Uh, I, I call it the average Joe way to get into real estate investing. Join us on um, November 10th to do that. Um, Sean could not join us today. Uh, he tried very hard. But uh, Sean Bowen and your team, man, thank you guys for being a part of this for the last three years. Uh, thanks for everybody for joining us for the last three years. It's, it's been awesome. And, and we want to keep this going um, next month. I think we're going to actually probably do a little just wide open Q&A. Maybe Jay will want to join us and we'll bring in some other some other guests just to say, hey, let's 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 do some brainstorm. Let's see what people are thinking who have questions about and just kind of throw it out there. Um, we'll hit on that again, but the last Tuesday of November is when we'll take that on. So guys, um, if you guys want to head out, 
and you got to get to bed, that's fine. If you want to stick around and throw out some Q&A, uh, continue to join us. So thank you y'all so much. So, Jay, we're going to see if anybody hops in on here. Um, we got some great feedback, man. A lot of thank yous. So informative. Thank you, Dr. Jay. Hey, I don't have a good hook. So. You don't have a good hook. You just need a good hook line. <laughs> <laughs> you get a good name. Even my, even my basketball references are. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's all right. We have some comments that we didn't get to or didn't really get to spend as much time on. So if you look on the screen, here's one from Jordan Wingate. I would take it. Mm. So thoughts, Jay? Uh, yes. No, no, no. I think that's reasonable. Um, thinking about areas with heavy winters, those might be a little more anticipated for local owners. Um, than what it could be here um, if people aren't used to them. But but no, I don't I don't disagree. Okay, cool. And then there was um, another one up here about not wanting to move. So we talked about that for a little bit, and I thought this might be interesting too. Yeah, it makes me wonder just in general if there are a lot of people. Um, moving jobs job turnover is low i mean oftentimes when you have uncertainty uh, it just seems like people stay put if you've got a relatively stable job uh, I, I would think that's the case i mean if you're not wanting to go to the store you're probably not wanting to rent a u-haul and, and move to north carolina Fair. you know jay i'd be curious to look at um once again i always go back to real estate but some of those numbers from like 04 to 08 how what kind of caused like was the inventory get really low is that what jumped prices up at that point are we looking at something similar to that because it's kind of like we got all these little side effects going on right and in, in the i shouldn't say side effects the reality we got a lot of crazy stuff going on mm. real estate world a lot of us are saying, okay, are we, are we like peeking out or are we, is this just the new norm or, you know, so something I'll be looking into a lot is, is that data on pre 2008, is it, is it matching? Is it, is it looking similar to what we're seeing now or oh yeah, the run up kind of fit in now as compared to historically, you know? Yeah. Um, I mean, I do think that there's always reasons for some concern when you start seeing strong price increases for extended period. So maybe two years, it's less concerning because this region was relatively flat or they, they were less caught up in some of the lead up to 2008 from my understanding, right? Mm -hmm. so it wasn't certainly, wasn't Las Vegas, right? I know that, or Seattle. Um, the, the fall offs weren't as steep, but it's been slower coming back. Right. And so maybe a couple of years that we're seeing here strong or, or less concerning in terms of you may be a little more upside available than what there would be in some other markets. Gotcha. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I don't want to just say things to interpret them the way you want to, but there's not like that. Be a little less. Make me, make me sound smart, by the way. You're. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, man, Ashley, you are on cue. 
Who, you know, Vanessa, this really is the question. And, and this is what I think is a lot of allowed. Sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> just for anyone that isn't, uh, who is just listening to this. Could you read the question? Oh, yes. I apologize. Uh, I didn't realize that it wasn't viewing on other people's screens. Because this recession is caused by a virus instead of flawed mending practices, do you believe the recovery will mimic previous recessions in most sectors? Uh, I th the thought here is, or the real question is, is this recession or what has happened since February just a function of people have uh, stopped spending? And so there, is this just really a shock to aggregate demand, which is a, it means something for us in economics, but like, is this just a spending shock? And once things open back up, will things sort of be back where they were? Or is this going to be more of a long drawn out? Right? Is there like, have there been some investments or some misallocations of resources that need to be reworked, which is what what was going on in 2008? Um, that's the that's the permanent job loss question, really, that, that you were seeing. And so we saw that that initial big drop right here. But it seems like things are halfway back in terms of, of the jobs lost. So we were down 80,000, we're up back 40, and 20,000 to the good in terms of payrolls. So will that continue to trail back up or will it sort of flounder for a while? And I think that depends on, I mean, you've got short-term stimulus and then probably what the virus does over the short medium term would be my guess. Um, I'm still not, I don't know, maybe I'm a cynic about the vaccine. I'm not sure exactly what it will do, but uh, lots of people are positive. I'm the wrong kind of doctor. And do you think that even just a positive reaction to the vaccine in the public's view could help? Even yeah. if like a physical? Absolutely. So, um, excuse me, in this kind of recession, if it really is just a uh, demand fall off because people were scared or they were concerned, uh, about the economy moving forward. Uh, if the vaccine helps reassure people in terms of consumer confidence, which is a, uh, a, a measure that economists talk about, uh, it could help bolster the economy over the short to medium term. Um, and, and, and that's what's, this is what I still think is weird because I'm like, I'm assuming that most of the folks that are, are here watching are, are interested tonight. You know, real estate's been doing pretty well. <laughs> so I don't know if y'all felt as much of the negative effects that perhaps some of the other sectors have. Uh, and we haven't, it's, but it, but it's changed enough. Right. I mean, of course our world around us is changing. So we see it, but in our market, I always, I remember telling people like, you know, everybody saying, Hey man, I'm home with my kids. I'm getting all these things done. I'm like, dude, I've been working nonstop since it started. Like I, you know, um, and it's, it's a blessing, but I, I do think it's not super parallel to the rest of the world. But I think what's interesting about this whole, your whole thing is like, how unparalleled is it? That's kind of the question. Like, right. is, you know, I, I don't know how that all affects together, but it's gotta, there's gotta be some kind of, you know, draw from, from the economy that affects the real estate side and it so far it doesn't seem like it's been that way. And I'd say that's kind of been the big question for me is like, well, how long can we, how long, 
how powerful is low interest rates? <laughs> I don't know. It's pretty amazing right now. You know, like oh, right. I mean, in the short term, inventory. Housing is different to me than even like some durable consumer goods because uh, I spent a good part of the the year. Most of my family's from Arkansas in the, in the in the northern part of the mountains, and so I was there a large part of like the the the, the peak right in terms of the deaths in that early summer. And we're near a core of engineers lake boy there were a lot of boats and a lot of new boats and so like a lot of these low interest rates i think people are are, are still purchasing like new cars uh, i saw a lot of side-by-sides that were new and a lot of new boats yeah and that to me has less upside potential just because you know that those are going to be worth less than what a home right so there's, there's you get a service out of that other than that's not to say you don't have an automobile but yeah. Yeah, when when you see those loan the amounts, home has some long-standing capabilities. Absolutely, when you see those debt amounts going up, you know, eventually people have to pay those back, and they pay them back with interest. So, will the hangover, you know, create a drag in you know, six months, yeah. eight months? And that's a good point too, because real estate, you're still pretty much fixed interest rates at this point, which is great. I want people to be in fixed interest rate, but yeah. in the automobile world, in the boating world, in the credit card world. Those probably aren't fixed interest rates. Boy, yeah. I, it would be tough not to want to lock these in. I mean, yeah. you might get a little lower, but if you're this low, it's, it's tough for when you're close to historic lows. <laughs> no, I mean, a 30-year year interest rate at like 2.6%, that's that's insane. Yeah. But say you're buying a, an RV at 26 today, and then it goes up to 29% in three years, that's pretty scary too, you know? So that's that's an interesting kind of, I didn't think about that, all the other things that people are buying with low interest rates. Right. While that can and, be great, but also people have to have to kind of somewhat be a little weary as far as what their right. debts can be dangerous too, I guess. Right, and so that's the, the weekend in Vegas. <laughs> right. You eventually got to pay it back. I don't know that that's necessarily as much of a concern for housing. Uh, it's just according to what kind of spending decisions some of the, you know, like, and when you're talking about groups of people, this becomes even more difficult, right? So what groups of people are making in terms of spending decisions? Um, uh, you know, uh, it's just kind of a funny statement that somebody put on here. They said, thank God for real estate. Yeah, I saw that. Um, I just think it's funny because... I was thinking this the other day and I'm curious what you guys think. Like, I feel like, all right, we've got something positive happening out there. Like real estate's kind of hanging in there. Is that like from a economist standpoint, have you guys kind of been like, okay, well at least, you know, we've got something positive to talk about in, in the, you know? Well, yeah, no, no. I mean, there are always sectors of that economy that, that perform better than others. Um, Real estate has, you know, historically performed very well, uh, even when accounting for inflation, and a place to to hold wealth. Uh, I have like this longer term, like I think the world is actually becoming a better place. If you watch the news very long, you may have a harder time believing that. But like standards of living have generally increased. I knew I knew I liked you, Jay, man. Oh, I'm trying to be pot, and I'm drinking <laughs> Bohemian. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. That's good. Well, cool, man. I think um, I'll let you go and and get back to. You're still in. You're still in the office, aren't you? 
Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, man. So <laughs> we'll let you get home. Uh, I'm still in the office too. I need to get home too. Yeah. Dan, Dan's in his home office. In the home office. He actually has fake fake books in there. Don't believe those. Yeah, they're, I don't read. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, we'll, before we jump off, I don't think we did this. What is everyone drinking? Oh, uh, best part. Uh, Dan, you want to go first? Sam Adams Boston Lager. Nice classic craft. Oh yeah, Jay. I think you kind of. Hinted at it. Like, Give it away. Live pleasantly, everyone. <laughs> National Bohemian. Nice. nice. I've got a Legend Brown Ale, so kind of kind of local. Killer beer, one of my favorites. Guys, thank you for joining us, Jay. That was awesome. We really appreciate you. Uh, but we're gonna cut out because it is late, and uh, we all need to get to bed. Um. Everyone have a great, uh, what are we in October? Have a great finish to your October, great start to November, and we hope to see you guys back here in November. Peace out.